You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 26, covering By Any Other Name and The Omega Glory. Hello. Hi. Yes. Wait, that's the other show. Yeah. This is, How's this it going, everybody? The Star Trek one. Yes. Different catchphrase, friends. Listener. Friend listener. <laughs> Frank. Listener, Kirk. <laughs> we are here now. We're almost done with season two. Like, yeah, we were talking you... about this the other night, and Matt's like, really? Can you believe it? Yeah, it's we're, we're flying through these, which is great, because, uh, you know, we're, we're never mired too long in, in any particularly bad part. Yeah. Thank Christ. So, well, uh, season three will probably be quite a mire. Uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about that, and I think as long as they're bad and funny and not just boring and tedious, I think yep. we'll have a good time. Ugh. So, yeah. Um, I'm watching you, season three. <laughs> are you doing that thing where you, you use two fingers to point at your eyes and then... That is exactly what I'm doing, actually. Oh, nice. See, we've been working together so long, I, I know uh, we yep. finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> So, um, so hungry. The, what? I'm so hungry. Don't finish my sandwich. <laughs> Why don't you ever eat before we start? Keeps me fresh. Ah, that doesn't make a lick of sense. All right. So this week uh, we have two episodes we knew nothing about. Yeah. Once again, uh, by any other name, and the Omega Glory. So first one is mine. Uh, this was another week where Matt and I didn't know what the episodes were by title alone, so we pretty much flipped a coin to decide who covered which one. And as luck would have it, mine was written by Jerome Bixby, writer of Mirror Mirror, and DC Fontana, writer of Everything Great and Spock's Backstory. Thanks, lucky coin, I owe you one. So the Enterprise visits an unnamed planet in response to a distress call. There they meet representatives of the Kelvin Empire of the neighboring Andromeda Galaxy. And since the episode is written by competent writers with some notion of the scale of the universe, a central part of the plot involves the Andromeda Galaxy being impossibly far away. At maximum warp, it would take the Enterprise, which the Kelvins intend to steal, thousands of years to get there. But the Kelvins have advanced technology that can cover that distance in only 300 years. They can also freeze a man in his tracks, uh, unless that man is played by Shatner, in which case he tries to stand still, but is overcome by his innate desire to overact. <laughs> and they have a device that distills a body down to its base components and transforms it into a novelty oversized D20. Kirk doesn't know how to fight the one-two punch of the freeze ray and D20 ray, so he reluctantly turns over the ship, and everyone begins the long trip to Andromeda. Eventually, Kirk, Spock, Bones, and Scotty discover the one thing that can disrupt the Kelvin's steely exterior. Since they've taken the form of humans, human emotions will fuck them all up. It's a very Star Trek solution, but it's actually pulled off really well. Kirk makes out with the hot chick, of course. Scotty gets a dude drunk, of course. And Bones gives a series of painful injections to a guy called, I promise I'm not making this up, Pinar, which is easily the worst commando in the fall. Eventually, the Kelvins learn almost too late that man is a feeling creature, and because of it, the greatest in the universe. The Kelvins agree to the original plan that Kirk suggested in the first five minutes of the episode, going through official Federation channels to find them a colony world. So they return to the planet we started at, where there'll be no triple at all. Yeah, this one, I was worried, because like I said, we didn't know what it was. And usually that means, oh, this is probably not very good because people haven't talked about it. Yeah, odds are, if we haven't heard of, heard about it, it's probably not very good. Yeah, I mean, we know about Mirror Mirror and, uh, like, um, the Doomsday Machine and, you know, mm -hmm. Trouble with Tribbles. Like, the one, the, the great ones that everyone talks about. 
But this actually was, while maybe not in my top ten overall, it was a good episode. It was solid, like above average. Yep. Good, solid Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Funny. Yeah. Interesting. Like, good, yep. good basic science fiction. They're from really far away, and, you know, they need to get back home, and they take the ship, and, you know, so Kirk teaches bad. someone how to love, as is yeah. his want. I mean, that's, like I said, that's a Star Trek thing, but they, yep. they did it well. This time, this is an example of them actually pulling that off. Mm-hmm. Like teaching people what it means to be human. That is really what the show's supposed to be about. So Spock just sitting there shaking his head. None of this makes any sense to me. <laughs> Guys are jerks. I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> if anyone wants me, I'll be in my room. <laughs> Playing his Vulcan harp again. Yes, exactly. I like, I like that we've painted the Spock as being kind of moody uh, <laughs> musician, like artist type. <laughs> we see no actual evidence of this, but for some reason that just fits for us. Anytime he's not around, he's in his room playing Boys Don't Cry. <laughs> um, we, we point this out a fair amount. We are watching, for the most part, the restored, uh, enhanced uh, effects, uh, you know, the new versions yeah. of these. And in this in this episode in particular, I want to call attention to them because, wow. Oh, my God. This episode was so beautiful. And they didn't overdo it. They didn't, like, cram in, you know, 15 minutes of it. Like, it's not the motion picture. But no. there's there's maybe 10 seconds here and there where you get an establishing shot of them, you know, leaving the galaxy or heading toward Andromeda in that sort of empty, starless, you know, expanse between the two galaxies. And it just, it's so pretty and so well done. Oh, yeah. No, the, the shot of them heading towards the Andromeda galaxy and it's just sort of far off in the distance is yep. just beautiful. It is. And, uh... And approaching the uh, the Great Barrier, which uh, is actually a callback to the to the pilot, to the, mm-hmm. the second pilot, that was nice. <laughs> There's a great bit where uh, where the uh, the leader of the Kelvins is like, uh, "We have to leave the galaxy," which means we have to cross this barrier around the galaxy. And Kirk's like, "Yeah, I know. <laughs> Listen, we've been there. I know this. If my eyes turn silver. I'm going to be really mad." <laughs> so that was, and apparently, and then my middle initial will change. <laughs> And nobody wants that. I don't want to be James Q. Kirk this time. <laughs> I just keep going. Uh, no, I think it would be you this time because it's going <laughs> further in the in you know ahead in the alphabet. <laughs> when it gets to James Z. Kirk, then uh, then we have real problems. Then we've reached the center of the universe. <laughs> Although more science fictiony sounding, James <laughs> Z. Kirk. Um, but yeah, that was nice. And apparently, when they actually crossed the barrier, um, mm-hmm. well, the effects looked the same as in the restored uh, where no man has gone before, which is nice. But also, I didn't realize this until I was uh, reading about it. Uh, the dialogue that uh, Spock says something about the energy levels and blah blah blah—it's exactly the same. No kidding. Yeah, it's it's That's... just like it's two quick lines of him looking at a screen, like it's nothing special. That's really cool. But it's a nice little attention to detail thing. Technically, this episode so it should have been gone where some people have gone before about a year ago. <laughs> yeah, where we've already been. <laughs> uh, once again, Shatner uh, played some of the comedy in this episode really well. Uh, I, I'm just, I mean, I know I point this out a lot, but I'm still kind of realizing that he might not play the, the full-on drama great, but when or it comes to... good. Well, yeah, or competently. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to the comedy, when it comes to, to selling anything that's that's got a little levity in it, he's actually really good. Yeah, and uh, there's a bit where he's he's seducing the chick, but he's not really taking it that seriously. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kiss her." Yeah, and just, it was funny. It was it was handled well. <laughs> you and I will be together forever, Jim Kirk. Whoa, wow. ah, forever is such a a long time and <laughs> so much to see in the yeah. galaxy. 
Um, so the, the, one of the things I liked about this, is there's a sort of a long-standing sci-fi concept that uh, Star Trek, as far as I remember, doesn't use a lot, which mm-hmm. is the idea of a generation ship. Um, yes. The distance is being so vast that you have to, you know, multi-generationally, like you bring a bunch of people and then they have kids and they have kids and eventually they arrive at the destination. And that's what the Kelvins were trying to do, which is cool. But it occurs to me, okay, they've taken human form. They intend to breed. Don't they already know about our human sex? <laughs> I just like the idea of them poring over uh, the medical journals. Oh. Oh. Oh, well. All right, then. Bones okay. is just watching. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. You guys have no idea what you're getting yourselves into. <laughs> um, there's uh, There was a, a particularly uh, attractive... Actually, the, the women in this episode in general... Oh yeah, I, I would say above average for a hot '60s looking Star Trek. Yeah, girl the the, la- the ladies from the oh god, what the hell are they called? The Kelvins. The Kelvins. The Kelvins. Yes. Well, the uh, the the blonde chick in particular, the main one, like the the main one that uh, Kirk seduces. She's she's and I'm gonna go all you know fashion designery for a second here, but the outfit she's wearing it's sort of a sci-fi jumpsuit, but it's also sort of backless and elegant, and it's just yep. like it's sexy, but it also looks futuristic and it doesn't look exploitive. Like it's kind of the perfect yeah sexy costume that doesn't look ridiculous. Yeah, no, the the rest of the Kelvins were very bejumpsuited, yeah. but uh... particularly Pinar, who had a <laughs> uh, what looked like a vest, but I guess it was kind of built into the to the speed suit. My speed suit, Brock. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I liked uh, I, I liked the, uh, the the sort of the hot yeoman. Like I was trying to think of a of a of a way to sugarcoat that. Now the hot yeoman, yeoman hot pants that they beam down with. Uh, apparently, the only uh, female red shirt ever to be killed. Yeah, in the series, which was cool. That was very surprising because. Oh, yeah, they beam down with a black security guy and a chick. And the second like, well, he hits the ground, I'm like, well, that guy's dead. Yeah. No? And that guy, actually, I would say, and this isn't me being politically correct or anything, but seriously, character-wise, that was probably the best security character I've seen. Like, just for sort of a throwaway role. His body language was always, like, standing guard, standing, yep. like, putting himself between the, the officers and the danger. Uh, there was a lot of just sort of the way he delivered his lines he just he he sold it to me as i'm here to protect these guys instead of i'm here to stumble to my death i'm here to step on a rock and explode so it it was nice to actually get an actor who while he didn't have a very big role had you know like gave it what he should like i'm Mm. here to guard i'm a security guard they call me gardo (laughs) um Apparently the, uh, the the stupid D20s, as we called them, the, the dodecahedrons uh-huh. that they turned them into. Apparently they were Roddenberry's idea. That was his contribution to this. What episode. a shock. <laughs> they were just sitting in his office as, like, giant novelty props. He's like, why don't we turn them into this? I like, uh, I did like them just sort of sitting around the, basically, the uh, the Kelvins turn all of the non-essential crew into these things. And Which is everyone find... except, like, the main four. Yeah, basically. And we find them just lying around the ship, and it's kind of, it it's weird but it's also a little unsettling yeah i actually like like yeah the the you know turning them into those things is kind of dumb but the 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 basic concept of okay they don't have a lot of money and they got to turn into something so fine mm-hmm. and yeah you're right seeing them as inanimate objects that you know could end up being okay but it could also be crumbled to dust to make an example it yeah, is one a little of, creepy one of the kelvins like just squishing one of them was 
really just bleh. Yeah, like uh, the stuff was made of sort of a chalky, crumbly that he just like crumbles to dust, and that's uh, the 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 omen we were talking about a second ago. Yes. So I do like a... Kirk trying to like pick up handfuls, but you're not gonna fix it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, I think I got this. If I can get enough glue. Yeah, no. I, I think she's probably gone. Um I like uh, well, I have sort of a love hate relationship with when we're in Scotty's quarters. Because <laughs> the decorations are uh, a kilt, some bagpipes, lots of whiskey. A suit of armor. Yeah, really? That's uh that's that's all Scotty likes, huh? Mm-hmm. Scottish things. Yep. I mean, you've already given him such an imaginative name. You gotta, you gotta, I mean, but on the other hand, you know, I've seen these things used to, to good effect, like in, uh, at the end of Wrath of Khan, spoiler oh, yeah. alert, I guess, when he's actually playing uh, Amazing Grace on the bagpipes, that was, that was pretty cool. So, mm. Look, you know. Scotty just likes Scotland. Well, that, that's fine, I suppose. I mean, we all know a guy like that, I suppose. Mm. I wonder if he owns his own sword. Oh, I'm sure he owns a sword. At least he doesn't walk around with a, you know, in his kilt, like, with a neck beard. Because that's usually what who fits those profiles. Scotty is the last one. <laughs> there can be only one, sir. Born to be free, princes of the universe. All right. So, any, anything else about this one? I particularly liked it, but... Uh, yeah, it was good. That's all I have to say. I mean, nothing, nothing outstanding, just a solid, you know... A good conflict, good conflict resolution, just good stuff. Mm. No, but, I I thought it was quite I thought it was quite good for an episode about which I knew nothing. Yeah, on other, the other than hand, your quote, which will come back later. Well, yes. On the other hand, oh lord, okay, you have Mine the Omega the, Glory, the Omega Glory, which good okay. good Star Trek title. Yes, definitely. That was that's definitely a Star Trek title. Yes. All right, so the phrase heavy-handed gets thrown around a lot these days, but uh, Roddenberry wrote this one himself, so strap in. Uh, This is his pretentious bread and butter. So while cruising around, the Enterprise discovers the USS Exeter, orbiting Omega-4. Beaming aboard for a look-see, the crew finds only empty uniforms and some dusty residue. McCoy discovers that the dust is, in fact, the crew drained of water. Uh, presumably part of some elaborate plan by the Penguin to take over the world, the Diabolical Fiend. <laughs> they also find a message from the ship's surgeon telling them that the ship's captain, Ronald Tracy, is still alive on the planet. Oh, and also that uh, if they've come aboard the ship, uh, they're already infected with the disease that killed the crew, and they're going to die. So, hey, thanks, Doc. That uh, that information would have been impossible to have sent to us before we came aboard your death ship. <laughs> Landing party beamed down to, down to the planet to look for Tracy and land right in the middle of an execution. A crowd of Tibetan stereotypes are about to de- decapitate a blonde Adonis. Well, they also run into Tracy, luckily enough, who's taken over the planet. Tracy reveals that while they are on the planet, they're safe from t- from the turning into dust disease or Lot's wife syndrome, as it is more commonly known. <laughs> Tracy is also working with the Coms, the more developed and racist culture against the Yangs, a primitive race of gorgeous supermen. Kirk discovers that Tracy is violating the Prime Directive, and goddammit, that's Kirk's job. Tracy has discovered that the comms hold the secret to immortality, and he wants Kirk to beam him phasers so he can help them with their war with the Yangs. Kirk refuses, so Tracy tosses him into a cell with a couple of Yangs, and he is savagely beaten. With that out of the way, Kirk tries to help the Yangs escape by loosening the bars of of their cell. Uh, That works really well until the Yang bonks him on the head and runs away. Bones discovers that the landing party and Tracy are not, in fact, infected by any kind of penguin disease and that they can all go home but tracy is having none of it and wrecks up the place 
Kirk and Tracy fight, and then all of them are taken by the Yangs. Back at Yang headquarters, the crew discovers that the Yangs are, in fact, American for some goddamn motherfucking reason. <laughs> Turns out Yang is a butchered form of Yankee, and Com is a is a butchered form of communist, and they're fighting the war that might have been fought on Earth. Except that it's completely fucking stupid and doesn't make any sense. They also worship the American flag, because why the fuck not? Kirk recognizes the Yang's holy scripture as the Pledge of Allegiance. And Tracy attempts to convince the Yangs that Spock is the devil because he's a jerk like that. Then Kirk and Tracy have a pretty sweet knife fight that I guess resolves everything because they all go home after Kirk makes a moving patriotic speech about freedom or something. It made even I, a backwards-ass Canadian, a little misty-eyed. I don't think that it did. No, it didn't. <laughs> at all. Um, the, Listen, this was fucking retarded. Yeah, and we're expected to believe, the, the main thing is we're expected to believe that not that anyone left a book behind or that someone molded this, this culture, but that this all developed independently. Just It's, it's an amazing coincidence that, that human beings evolved exactly the way human beings look. Yep. They turned into uh, blonde white people and Asian communists and a word-for-word -word copy of the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. Because are the why the fuck not? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's all an astounding coincidence, but hey, the universe is uh, infinite, so mm -hmm. I guess anything's possible. Uh, that must the be universe weird. is both infinite and lazy. <laughs> so lazy. So lazy. I guess Roddenberry actually submitted <laughs> this script for Emmy consideration. Which, to me, is a primary argument for why you should never submit yourself for the consideration. More the more I learn about Roddenberry, the less I like him. Yeah, now listen. We love Star Trek, obviously. Mm -hmm. We are huge fans of, of this world. And we are committing to seven plus years of talking about all this stuff. But but that said, Roddenberry brought us the, the, the nice broad strokes, the, the rough idea. And then he really just needed to go away because... Yeah. Whenever he gets, whenever he takes a, a primary role, this happens. Mm -hmm. We uh, we don't think he's that great. No, we have to. We have to listen. We're not just doing a science fiction show. We're showing people a better world, a world where they can understand that Vietnam is bad and war is stupid. Yeah, that's that's super duper Gene. But also, listen. Also, there's no conflict at all because that's how advanced we are. Gene, that's kind of boring. No, it's not because I said it isn't. You can't write drama without conflict. Yes, I can. I'm going to steal someone's brain. Oh, wait, wait, what? <laughs> I don't think he wrote that one. I hope he did. I hope we find out that he wrote that. <laughs> um, I will say this was profoundly stupid, but it wasn't boring. No, it definitely keeps moving. Yeah. But it keeps moving to more and more stupid places. Yeah, I actually thought the first act was was not bad. Like, oh, yeah. Well, when they go aboard, like when they when this first started, we thought it was going to be an episode about them aboard a, like a dead ship. Yeah, because and I, I thought it was going to be a bottle show because I thought, oh mm -hmm. well, that's a good cost saving measure to to sort of change the lighting and the angles and shoot on the exact same sh uh, uh, sets as the Enterprise. Only mm -hmm. it's a different ship of the same class, so that way in your brain, like in your mind, you're like, oh, we're somewhere else, even though it's the exact same thing you see every week. Mm -hmm. I love how they how they how they beam down to the planet. Mm -hmm. The first shot you see is this blonde guy about to be executed by some by some like by Genghis Khan. By Genghis Khan, mm -hmm. and the first thing you said was, oh, God, what the hell is this? <laughs> we were doing so well. It was like it's five or seven minutes in, and then we beamed down to the planet and all just fell apart. Mm -hmm. But up until that point, I mean, we, like, you know, 
like we said, it's cool seeing another ship like the Enterprise. It's cool yep. kind of solving a mystery and seeing some strange science fiction thing happen and we need to figure out what it is. Yeah. It's, it's a medical thing, so that gets Bones involved, which we're always a fan of. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it just it didn't work. DS9 will do basically the same thing. Yeah, where they go to the to, to uh, what uh, is M- it? Empoknor. Uh, yeah, but that's the, unfortunately that's many years away. That's a long, long. Right now we have this this in front of us. Um, uh. Thinking about this, and and we both talked about this as we watched it. Wasn't this basically like the the basic beats? Uh, the same plot as Insurrection. Yeah, basically they beam down into this planet where people are supposed to be immortal. Yeah, it's like the Fountain cra- of Youth if you stay there. Yeah, and the, this Federation dude is crazy and wants to steal it. Right, which is, you know, exactly what happens in this. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, the details are different, but the, the the core idea is the same. And I just wonder who decided, like, okay, you know, it's no secret that uh, a lot of the movies borrow plots from the episodes. That's fine. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you polish them off and improve them and give them, like, a big screen treatment, then that's okay. Yeah. But... In this case, who decided this was the episode that they needed to, to redo? Because oh. You guys, you know what my favorite episode was? What's that? The Omega Glory. I really want to do an episode about America. Here's $50 million. Go. I'm going to spend most of this money on showing aliens taking their faces off. <laughs> well, who doesn't like that? Nobody I want to talk to. Oh, and, and uh, Worf getting a pimple. Don't forget that. Mm. And Crusher talking about her boobs. Well, that was okay. actually I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, I will say technically they didn't violate the Prime Directive this time. No, when they left, uh, Kirk was like, "Here's uh, here's your own documents that you need to live by," and he didn't actually <laughs> inflict his own morality on things for a change. It was just nope. showing them the way that they already had. So that's something, Captain. Won't the uh, won't the Federation be upset about this violation of the Prime Directive? Why would they be? I read a book they already owned. <laughs> I like that they stored it in their hope chest, though. Oh, God. And listen, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a like super flag wavy, chest beady patriot guy, but I am a fan in general of of the U.S. Constitution. I think it's a well written document. I think it deserves the, the the respect that it gets, and I think it's you know so on and so forth. But I was I was rolling my eyes so hard when Shatner's like. Uh, and here are the words you need to live by. We hold these truths to be... Uh, whatever. I don't think... No, that's the we. Declaration of Independence. No, we the people. Blah, blah, blah. Like, shut up. <laughs> Just shut the hell up. Plus, you're Canadian, t- so shut up even more. I want to tell you all a little dream I had. A dream called America. Uh, Can you picture it now? They had the Yangs. same flag. Off in the distance, that beautiful dream. Uh, about which I, as a Canadian, know nothing. Yeah. I mean, Shatner's from Ontario, so that doesn't count. <sighs> Just not very good. But again, stuff happened. It wasn't It wasn't one of those episodes where, you know, Matt and I are like, well, what do we talk about for 15 minutes? Like, what's, uh, hmm, well, there was this, like, like at least it kept moving. At least it was yep. stupid and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was the bit where they're in, the, you pointed this out in your summary, <laughs> where they're in the cell, and yeah, they, they take off the bars. <laughs> And uh, the blonde dude pulls off the one of the bars, and I'm, and I just jokingly, I, I had no idea this was actually going to happen, said, well, now he's got a crowbar, and now he's just going to clonk Kirk in the head with it. And then he does. Yep. Like, what? What? Really? The guy's helping you escape. Why would you do that? <laughs> I'm also, getting out of here. Also, if Kirk uh, suffered serious head trauma from a metal bar, shouldn't he uh, either have amnesia or, at the very least, brain damage? 
Yeah, well, technically, he should, he should think he's a he should think he's a mob boss or something now, or a billionaire, or yeah, <laughs> something. Captain, are you all right? Captain, what captain, my good man? I'm Thurston Howell the Third. I'm Harcourt Fenton Mud. <laughs> Friend Spark. <laughs> that was that was a good bit where they're when he's earlier in that scene when they're trying to escape, and Spock's in the other cell. Like, mm-hmm. they can see because they're bars. It's not like, you know, solid walls or anything. And Spock's just, uh... Spock's just offering his commentary. <laughs> give him give him the jab, Captain. <laughs> he's, no, when he's trying to escape, like, before the fight. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, uh... I don't think that's going to help, sir. <laughs> just kind of being vaguely sarcastic, pretending Thank to be... Thank you, Spock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any ideas what what, what might help? Well, no. I just was going to be pithy and annoying. What? <laughs> I like that. I like when uh, when Kirk's just trying a little too hard and Spock's just, like, kind of reining him in. I kind of like the idea that Kirk and McCoy have had a very a very obvious effect on Spock. <laughs> well, I think he's learned what our human sarcasm is, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. I like to think that the Vulcans are the masters, like, the, the galactic masters of sarcasm. Yeah. Just because they're not supposed to be emotional. So they can say anything in that deadpan. The entire formation of the Federation was based on humans not understanding that, oh, sure, we can join up. That'll be great. You guys are totally advanced. Why don't you just join our space, like our peace-loving Federation? You'd be a great addition. You certainly have a good years track later, record for peace. 400 years later. Well, shit. Okay, uh, anything else about this goofy-ass episode? Or? I think that's about it. All right, uh, so for By Any Other Name, uh, in, the future, in the future, not only will chess be playable in three dimensions, but so will checkers. What an amazing time to be alive. <laughs> this is the thing we spotted in the background. Matt actually spotted it, but he did well spotted. Um, <laughs> there was a 3D checkers board. In the, in the rec room while they're all uh, trying to figure out how to escape or whatever. I just, like, they sort of sneak away to make their elaborate plans, and I'm like, is that a 3D checker set? It was, and, and there there was something else that I couldn't quite identify. It looked like maybe, uh, uh, like, 3D tic-tac-toe, or maybe 3D, <laughs> like, um, kerplunk, or, you know, something like that. Isn't 3D t- tic-tac-toe just Connect 4? No, that's still only in two dimensions. Oh, that's right. There's no... Uh... Pretty, pretty sneaky, Al. <laughs> All right, for yours. All right. In the, future, in, the future, in the future, due to a concept called parallel development, cultures exactly like America will be found all over the galaxy. As a proud Canadian born and raised, I can only say this. Great. <laughs> Take that, America. Uh, my quote of the episode for, uh, for by any other name is uh, something that will actually be resurrected in next gen as, as a great callback. Mm-hmm. This is just this is just James doing uh, being funny and drunk. I found this in uh, Gunner room, uh, uh, Gunner mirror at me. What is it? Well, it's um, it's green. <laughs> I really enjoy that. I loved uh, Spock getting or uh, Scotty getting that guy drunk. Oh yeah, I loved it. I really I kind lo- of I kind of expected when the guy passed out that Scotty would just be totally sober. Yeah. And stand, you know, like straighten his uniform, lightweight. <laughs> I I loved I loved him taking out this in, this ancient scotch that he hides in his suit of armor because yep. why the fuck not? Blows the dust off of it and the guy's like 
well, give me some more. And Sky's like, all right, fine, I will. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, uh, blo- I, he blows I, the dust off of it and he hugs it. As as much fun as it is to see Scotty drunk, and, uh, you know, as much as we assume because they love embracing the stereotypes that he's drunk all the time, this might actually be the first time we've seen him drunk. I think so, yeah. And we may again, but uh, it's not actually something they, a well they go to a lot, which is good. Mm-hmm. You like to think he's a fun drunk, and he likes uh, he likes having a few shots here and there. But uh, mm-hmm. it's good that they don't go to that well constantly because that that would, is a plus. That I, would be I, drunk Scotty's fun. Alcoholic Scotty goes into an area I would rather not. No, I would like uh, you know if if I were to sit down and have a drink with anyone from the Enterprise crew, I would love to go out drinking with Bones and Scotty. Mm-hmm. Leave Kirk okay. at home. <laughs> Spock can be the designated driver. <laughs> But really, those two just seem like they'd be a blast to to have a few drinks with. So you guys are going out for a drink, eh? Yeah, yeah, we are. Oh, that that sounds like a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, it's gonna be, uh, Jim. So well, long. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see you later. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll just stay here and. Well, you wait do have those four hundred and fifteen lives to be responsible for. You can't uh, can't abandon them. Yeah, I guess. I guess I can't. <laughs> All right, you got a quote for the other one. Yeah. Uh, mine is uh, Spock providing Kirk with some much-needed help during his fight scene. <laughs> Don't they have a rest? Not that I have observed, Captain. Of course, should they wish to do so, one could always rest while the other keeps you occupied. Thank you, Spock. Uh, at least, uh, you know, in a terrible episode, at least we can always count on Spock being Spock. Yep. If nothing else. All right, so that's it for this week. Um, next week is the final three episodes of uh, of the of season two of the original series. Yep. Um, we will be joined by our good friend Mark Bosco, aka Bob, mm-hmm. uh, to whom we have promised uh, at least one episode a season. So uh, look forward to that. And following that, we will do our uh, the usual wrap up like we did last year or last season. Yeah. So uh, also look forward to that. Puppets are coming. Yes. Um, so that's all for now, and uh, we'll be back next week. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2011. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs> <laughs>